easiest way to make calculating a complicated tax figure even more challenging? The answer, having to do it right this minute on today's episode of The Fiona Show Tax Provision. We'll be talking about the time-sensitive current provision, which is the first calculation in the larger tax provision calculation process. Unlike a corporate tax return, which isn't due until as late as October the following year, the current provision is due within 60 days of the fiscal year end. Yikes. But fear not. On today's episode of The Fiona Show Tax Provision, we'll be breaking down the current provision process with our tax expert, Michael Cavanaugh so that you can calculate yours in the timely way it demands. Michael, welcome to the show. Can you let new listeners know what your background is with income tax provision and why it interests you? Yeah, sure. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's great to be here. My name is Michael Cavanaugh, and I'm a senior manager in the Cross-Border Solutions Tax Provision Product Group. I'm a CPA with an MBA in accounting and a Master's of Science in Tax. Based upon the tax-focused work that I did in grad school, when I began my career in public accounting, I started working on corporate tax returns at both the federal and state level. It was a short step from working on tax returns to tax provisions, which has been my focus for the past 10 plus years. It's an exciting area to work in, and there are so many opportunities for professional growth in this area. I've stuck with it, and it's really taken me uh, a lot of exciting places, and most recently to cross-border solutions. The most exciting place of all. Now, calculating the current provision starts with the trial balance. What is it exactly, and what part does it play in this calculation process? That's a great question, Matt. In its simplest form, a trial balance is a worksheet with two columns one for debits and one for credits, which ensures a company's bookkeeping is mathematically correct. Whenever a debit entry is made to the trial balance, a corresponding credit entry must also be made in the same amount. In broad terms, a trial balance is made up of two segments. First is the balance sheet accounts, which are comprised of assets, liabilities, and shareholders' equity. The second segment is the profit and loss portion, also known as P&L, which includes items of income and expense. Once an accounting period has ended, the company will stop making entries in the trial balance and the books are closed. Once the recording of the business activity stops for the period, the tax department can review and prepare the data for the calculation of the tax provision. The first step in the tax provision process is the determination of pre-tax book income on an entity by entity basis. This is done by isolating what is known as the P&L or profit and loss accounts. These accounts are at the bottom of the trial balance and represent items of income and expense that the company records over the course of the year. Once all the debits and credits in the P&L portion of the trial balance have been netted, we can determine the amount of net income. But there is one more step to be taken in this process. For purposes of the provision calculation, we need to pull out whatever items of income tax expense have been recorded. The reason this is done is because we need to eliminate any pre-existing income tax amounts so as not to double count tax expense. Remember, the whole point of the tax provision is to calculate a company's income tax expense, so we need to start from scratch. Once the income tax amounts have been removed, we end up with what is known as pre-tax book income. This is the point of departure for calculating all income tax provisions. One of the biggest challenges in calculating the tax provision is just getting to the raw data, which is represented by the trial balances. While a company's fiscal period may end on December 31st each year, 
that doesn't mean that the trial balances are ready for review on January 1st. In fact, there are so many adjustments that need to be made at year end that typically the trial balances aren't ready to begin the provision calculation until mid or late January. And to make matters worse, normally there are multiple iterations of the trial balance, which means the tax provision calculation is subject to multiple iterations as well. Just when the accountants think that they have all of their ducks lined up and they want to start to do their, and when I say ducks lined up, I mean their trial balances, um, and they're ready to leap into action and start doing their provision calculations, along comes all these topside journal entries and that have to be reckoned again into the trial balances and they need to do, they need to start again from scratch. Well, not from scratch. They already have a lot of the pieces together, like the permanent items, but they have to keep feeding anything that impacts the pre-tax book income. They need to kind of start doing different iterations of the tax provision again. And that's right. kind of baked into place and, and all the accountants understand that. And that's just, you know, the challenges that you have to roll with. Of course, of course. So you have to close the books, as the tax professionals say, to then deliver the trial balance. And you need the trial balance in order to figure out your pre-tax book income or PTBI. With the PTBI, don't you just apply the corporate tax rate of 21%, which may potentially be raised to 28% now at this point with the current Biden tax plan to determine the tax liability? Yeah, that's a great point, Matt. A non-accountant might think that simply determining the amount of pre-tax book income and then applying the corporate tax rate would provide the amount of the company's tax liability at year end. The logic is good, but there is one important step that is missing before we apply the tax rate to determine what the corporate tax liability is. It's important to understand that companies keep their trial balances, also known as the books, according to generally accepted accounting principles, otherwise known as GAAP. But when reporting taxable income to the IRS on an income tax return, a company must state the income according to the Internal Revenue Code. This difference between reporting methodologies is commonly known as the book to tax difference. So the next step in the tax provision process after determining pre-tax book income is to make the necessary adjustments to convert book income into tax income. Not every item in the trial balance is subject to this conversion, but there are a number of items that require additional calculations, and these are called tax adjustments. So can you tell us more about these adjustments? What's being adjusted exactly between these two accounting standards and why? There are two categories of tax adjustments, permanent and temporary. A permanent tax adjustment is the difference between book and tax accounting caused by an income, by an item that does not reverse over time. In other words, it is the difference between financial accounting and tax accounting that is never eliminated. Let's start with an example. When a company incurs a fine or penalty, it records the amount on its books and it is a valid business expense which reduces net income for book purposes. But for tax purposes, the IRS does not permit businesses to deduct fines or penalties from taxable income. While the tax deduction would be beneficial to a company because it would reduce taxable income and therefore the ultimate tax expense, by denying this deduction, the IRS continues to punish the taxpayer in an economic sense. The government passes tax legislation to influence taxpayer behavior. Think of it this way. 
If a manufacturing company is fined by the Environmental Protection Agency for dumping toxic waste into a river, the IRS is not going to let the company enjoy the benefit of a tax deduction for this illegal behavior. Another distinguishing feature about permanent differences is that because they never reverse over time, they will always impact the effective tax rate, which is also known as the ETR. The ETR is important because it's a single percentage amount when compared against the statutory rate. The ETR is important because this single percentage amount when compared against the statutory rate informs how well a company is doing in the management of its tax function. To illustrate, consider that the current statutory rate for U.S. corporations is currently set at 21%. If a company has an effective tax rate of, say, 18%, then it reflects well on the management who employs an effective tax planning strategy and is saving the company tax dollars while increasing profit. Conversely, if a company has an effective tax rate of 25%, they need to get better tax planning in place to reduce their overall tax burden and increase profits. The ETR is used as a benchmark of corporate tax health. It is an easy and effective way to understand a company's overall management of its tax function just by comparing it to the statutory rate. The next type of differences are temporary tax differences. Unlike permanent differences, temporary differences between book income and taxable income will eventually reverse and be eliminated over time. To put this another way, transactions that create temporary differences are recognized by both financial accounting and tax accounting. They are recognized at different times. This is why temporary differences are also known as time differences. Temporary tax adjustments form the basis of the deferred provision calculation. Commonly referred to as the deferreds, the temporary items live on the balance sheet and represent items of taxed income or expense that will be realized in the future. We can break down deferreds into different types. There are temporary differences, net operating losses, and tax credits. Each category is important in different ways, so let's review each one separately. To understand temporary differences, let's use another example. The recognition of rental income represents a temporary difference. Book accounting will only allow revenue to be recorded when it is earned, which happens readably over the course of time. But for tax purposes, if a company receives an advance payment of rental income, it must report this under taxable income on its tax return. As such, this revenue will be recorded on the tax return, but not for book income purposes. This creates a timing difference in this period. At a future period, when the rental revenue is finally earned, the company will record that revenue under book income, but not on its tax return, thereby reversing and eliminating the initial difference. And I know that sounds like a lot to digest, so let me kind of say that in a different way. In the gap world, meaning in your books, you have to recognize your rental income monthly, meaning you have to earn it. So even though you might get six months of rent in advance. For book purposes, you can only recognize that incrementally as each month passes, then you will record it at, you'll record that as, as revenue. And that's because of the way that books account for earned income. You record it as you earn it. And in a rental sense, you earn it incrementally over the course of time. But in the tax world, when you get six months of prepaid rent, it's a cash basis world. And then you have to recognize all that prepaid rental income upfront because it's cash in hand and it's taxable income.
Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University Weekly. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash tpu. So let's say the adjustments have been made and we've determined our actual taxable income. Can you tell us how the taxable income factors into calculating the current provision? Once the taxable income has been established, the hardest part of the tax provision is completed. After determining the pre-tax book income and layering the permanent and temporary adjustments, we have arrived at taxable income. However, we need to take a few more steps to determine a company's tax liability. Once the taxable income has been established, the hardest part of the tax provision is completed. After determining the pre-tax book income and layering the permanent and temporary adjustments, we have arrived at taxable income. However, we need to take a few more steps to determine a company's tax liability. If the company has any net operating losses, also known as NOLs, they must be applied to reduce the amount of taxable income. NOLs are born on a company's tax returns. When a company files its tax return and the deductions exceed its taxable income for the year, the result is a net operating loss. Any NOL may be carried forward to offset the taxable income in future years to reduce a company's future tax liability. The purpose behind this benefit is to allow some form of tax relief when a company loses money in a tax period. The IRS recognizes that many businesses have good years and bad years. The NOL is a mechanism to help smooth out a business's tax expense during periods where companies can swing between profit and loss. After the application of NOLs, then the tax rate is applied and the company's tax liability is established. And the next step is to apply the tax credits if there are any available. So Matt, to go back to your question, you said, well, you know, if we just determined what the pre-tax book income is, could we just apply the tax rate? And while the, the logic is good, you still need to layer in, you start from your pre-tax book income and just as a sort of resume, and then you add in your permanent differences, your temporary differences, and then your NOLs. So you can see there's some significant steps between the conversion of book income into tax and then after the NOLs, the tax rate is applied, as I said, and the company's tax liability is established. So there's more. Then the next step is to apply tax credits if any are available. So tax credits are very valuable because they allow users to reduce their tax expense on a dollar for dollar basis. Credits are given to businesses as incentives for certain kinds of activities. For example, businesses can get tax credits for purchasing energy efficient vehicles or building with eco-friendly materials. Tax credits are offered because the activities associated with them benefit the economy, the environment, or have some other positive business purpose. Remember just a moment ago, we discussed how the government legislates tax to influence behavior. 
Just as the disallowance of fines and penalties is meant to discourage bad behavior, the awarding of tax credits is meant to encourage good behavior. Tax credits are more valuable in terms of tax savings than deductions. Deductions reduce taxable income, which is then multiplied by the corporate tax rate of 21% to arrive at the tax liability. Credits, on the other hand, provide a dollar-for-dollar reduction to the tax liability. And you can think of it maybe in terms of your own personal return. We have what is called on your Schedule A. You can have deductions for, say, mortgage interest. All homeowners are entitled to deduct their mortgage interest, and then that reduces the amount of their taxable income. And then they apply whatever your particular rate is, and then you get your tax expense. But then if you get child tax care credits, that's even more valuable in the sense that it actually reduces dollar for dollar you know, a lot more power for your punch in a credit because, again, it's reducing on a dollar-for-dollar basis. There are a large number of tax credits available to U.S. corporate taxpayers, and some of the most common examples of corporate tax credits are research and development credits, which we love so much here at Cross-Border Solutions, and then there's the low-income housing credits and renewable energy credits, and there's that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are literally dozens and dozens of uh, tax credits out there, but there are some of the most common ones that you'll see. They can get actually very, very esoteric, but these are three of the, probably the top 10 that you're most likely to see. The last major item impacting the current provision calculation is the return to provision, also known as the RTP or the true The purpose of the return to provision is to correct the difference between last year's estimated provision amount versus the actual amounts that were filed on the tax return. It is a critical part of the annual tax reporting cycle. The return to provision is the litmus test of the correctness of the tax provision. Remember that a tax provision is simply a preliminary tax return calculation. When the tax return is eventually filed, any difference between the provision and return need to be eliminated through the true-up process. Once the true-up amounts have been established by a comparison of the tax return and the provision, the differences are then integrated into the subsequent period on both the tax return and the tax provision. In this way, the company can play catch-up on its prior year estimated amounts. And the reason why this catching up exercise is so important is because the tax provision calculation amounts are booked to the trial balance and also appear in the company's financial statements and 10K filings. By going through the return to provision process, companies are correcting for the estimated provision amounts versus actual tax return amounts. These corrections from the prior period are then integrated into the current period provision calculation. The true-up process represents the end of the tax provision life cycle. There are always some adjustments that must be made to eliminate differences between the tax provision and the tax return. Large differences between the provision and the return can lead to difficult questions during an audit. The goal of the tax provision is to calculate the tax expense as close as possible to the tax expense on the return when it is filed. In a perfect world, the tax provision amounts would be transferred directly onto the tax return. But the timing of the tax provision calculation combined with limited availability of data make this virtually impossible. Once the RTP is calculated, it either increases the current provision to reflect an understatement of tax in the prior year provision, or conversely, it decreases the current provision to reflect an overstatement of the prior year provision. After all the steps listed above, you will have finally determined what your company owes in tax dollars for the year, and that would complete your overall current provision calculation.
A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross-Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai rd. That's xbs.ai rd. Now, overall, that process seems fairly straightforward, at least as we've broken it down here. But what are some of the challenges facing anyone trying to calculate their current provision? Probably the greatest challenge faced by companies in the calculation of their tax provision is obtaining accurate and timely data. The bigger the company, the bigger the challenge. Imagine a multinational corporation that has hundreds of subsidiaries, both in the U.S. and abroad. The corporation must pull together data from every one of its entities, determine the pre-tax book income, and calculate the permanent and temporary adjustments on a per-entity basis, all in time so that the parent company can publish its results in its annual financial statements, as well as for reporting in its 10K for the Securities and Exchange Commission. The complexity of an international provision calculation is staggering, given the amount of foreign jurisdictions that corporations operate in and the overall scope of the work. Large corporations do have systems and processes in place to deal with the data demands and time constraints, but it's never an easy process. Companies are always looking for a way to increase efficiencies and decrease the risk of making a material misstatement on their tax provision. Recent studies have shown that tax reporting and tax-related issues were among the leading causes of financial restatements and adverse auditor attestations. If a publicly traded company were to make a material misstatement and had to restate their financial statements, their stock price would be negatively impacted. This underlines the need for accuracy in the provision calculation and overall financial reporting. So what can companies do to increase the accuracy and speed of their calculations while reducing the chances of costly mistakes? So the best thing a company can do to improve the speed and accuracy of the provision calculation is to get into a software environment. And while most of the Fortune 500 companies in the United States are in a controlled software environment, that's not the majority of American or U.S. corporations that are required to calculate their provisions. And according to research, up to 80 or 85 percent of U.S. corporations continue to do their calculations in an Excel environment. So, and companies know they need to get out of Excel and their auditors prodding them to get out of Excel, but they just haven't found the right product yet. But when they do find the right products, like the one source tax provision tool, once they get into a controlled environment, they find that the data is internally consistent. The data is stored in a secure environment requiring authorized access. The calculations are proven to be accurate and correct. The data can be tracked by using the system's audit functionality. There is transparency in the data calculations, and there is traceability to the original source data. And additionally, that the data can be analyzed 
Analytics tools enable companies to go beyond the number crunching and pursue more value-added activities, such as tax planning, to improve the management of their overall tax function and reduce their effective tax rate. And in my experience in public accounting, what I see mostly is that companies are just so beleaguered and so anxious to get through the, the drudgery of data wrangling, of getting all the data together, getting all their ducks lined up, doing the calculations, and then just producing the deferred amounts, the current provision calculation, and the journal entries, all the stuff, all the ingredients that they need in finance to finalize the financial statements and really close the books and make known to the investors the results of their of operations for their period. That kind of comes all through the crucible of the tax provision. And it can be so daunting and it's always harrowing, even for the most prepared accountants. There's always the unexpected. But, you know, once you're in a data in, in a controlled environment, in a software environment, the presumption is, and you're successfully working in that environment, you want to get to the next level, which is gets sort of away from the mundane number crunching. And you move into provision nirvana, which is really the next step is to planning. And that's really where the payoff is, is where you can kind of take a step back from your numbers and evaluate your data from 10,000 feet up and say, and identify opportunities for where you can improve operations and reduce your overall effective tax rate. Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer. Cross-border solutions, AI-powered transfer pricing, software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with cross-border solutions, AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You you know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of cross-border solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp. That's xbs.ai slash tp. We want to thank Michael for joining us on this very informative discussion. If you liked this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in cross-border solutions tax podcast suite. That's the Fiona Show R&D Tax Credit and the Fiona Show Transfer Pricing. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Fiona Show Tax Provision, and we'll keep you up to date on the latest in tax provision. I'm your host, Matthew DeMello. John Alex Busey is our audio producer. Stephen Markow is our associate producer. Mary Lynn Mitchumstrom is our executive producer. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch everyone next week. Thank you.